0: Welcome to another episode of This Week with Sabir. In today's hot seat is Gil Barlev. Gil is the CEO and founder of Home Roots. He's a serial entrepreneur filled with creativity and hunger to thrive in the current digital world. Uh, Gil founded Home Roots, combining his passion for furniture, e commerce, and technology to disrupt the way selling and buying furniture is done with a novel B2B wholesale platform. Home Roots helps sellers and buyers increase profit margin and reduce overhead.
1: Gil, welcome to the show. Sabir, thank you very much for uh, hosting me today. My pleasure. So um, before I
0: get started with uh, diving deep into this topic of B2B and especially B2B furniture, uh, I would like the audience to get to know you a little bit more. So can, could you tell me something personal about yourself?
1: Okay, so I can tell you that I'm happily married, I have three children, I have my oldest one, uh, my daughter, and then I have two uh, sons, uh, my oldest is 18, 14, and 11, I'm living right now in New Jersey, originally from Israel, and I love dogs, even though I don't have one at the moment. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a cat person and a parrot person. So that's and those are the two things I have, you know, two, yes. two pets that I have. Uh, I used to have kids, yes. Yeah, and, and I have kids too. I have uh, twin kids, one boy, one girl. Wow. Yeah, wow. they're that's not amazing. cute. They're young adults now. So <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not like you. They're still in the cute phase, like 11 and 9 years old and 7, you know. mine Mine are 23 years old. So they're young adults with opinion and voting rights and all of those kinds of things, you know
1: they have their own minds oh uh, yeah they do
0: they do <laughs> I miss them as babies you know so uh, you've had a very interesting career I mean before we get into the the B2B and furniture pivot right uh you've had some pretty big name brands in your career
1: yes so I mean I started off as a software developer this was part of my passion I like writing codes I've started my career actually in Israel and
0: what programming languages
1: uh, back in the day, well, when I started first, when I was really, really young, when I was uh, not even 10 years old, I used to program in BASIC.
0: Oh, my. Um, okay.
1: Yes, yeah, on Commodore 64 and all those things. I used to Me too. My ah, okay. I found it <laughs> found <the> soul. <laughs> yes. So that was my passion. I like just like to run, uh, write different games and just let the software run and see what it does and um, but then I came back to that in my early um, early 20s, uh, and at that time, I started off with VB6, and then off to .NET, a little bit C, and a little bit C++, Java, and I pretty much started my career off in uh, the Israeli tech uh, at that time. Uh, part of the project, part of the things that I was involved in was um, after you know, got my tenureship within the company was really more from um, really more to go to Europe and, and present uh, our technology to different companies and hook up different uh, partnerships and kind of work with their technical teams so all the way up from, you know, the develop, all the way from the developers all the way up to, um, to the CTO. And that was my passion. And really the main thing for me I, at that time of my career was really intranet uh, development. Right, it was not much of internet, but more more of intranet. Uh, but then, fast forwarding a little bit, a couple of years, early two thousands, I migrated over to the U.S. and my first project was with uh, with Toys R Us.
0: Okay. Uh, just to kind of define a little bit uh, for the audience, intranet, because some people are not used to some yeah. of that terminology. Uh, intranet is a is a private site uh, meant to be for internal to the organization, not like a public site where. You can just type it into the website and you can go there and everybody has access to it
1: yes which which basically it's just, it says gives you almost all the functionality that you can in the internet it's just you're limited it's still within your organization right but it's not an app that you need to download to your computer um, in order to run you basically run it off in your browser so that was my specialty um but then I I started off with Toys R Us. I actually started off with a completely different project, uh, related more for consolidations of that was part of the finance department, consolidations of uh, financial records across uh, their entire universe of stores across the world um, into their headquarters here in New, Wayne, uh, New Jersey at that time. And one thing led to another, and I found myself uh, leading a project, a partnership with Amazon. Uh, with toys rs when toys rs was more on the back end things supplying the goods doing the fulfillment and amazon was were at that time more of the front end of things they were doing the the e-commerce sales the platform and i fell in love with e-commerce and i think part of the reason why i got involved is because at that time you know not everybody knew too much about the internet intranet internet. they got confused a little bit with the letters they said okay probably this guy knows something and uh they got me to uh, to lead this this project but that what made me uh, exposed to this amazing world of capabilities and really combining that, my passion of technology with e-commerce. So um, that's really what the beginning of of my current career, I see that as really one of the milestones uh, that I went through in order to get to where I am uh, today.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to note that uh, at, at one point, Uh, amazon was a platform like a shopify type platform where brands the big brands that wanted to invest and and get all the features that amazon provided uh for their brand they would sign an agreement with with uh amazon to actually host the brand on their site nowadays you have sellers and vendors on amazon but back then you also had brands on amazon that like toys r us was was a was a gigantic example of that you know that's uh and it went through quite a lot of things. I think Target was another one, I believe.
1: Target was another one. There were a few more. Even Overstock at that point, maybe at some later time, they joined in. In, in a way, it's funny because um, you know, in the early stages of Amazon, they did a lot of retail arbitrage, which mm-hmm. right now it's a prohibited thing Yeah. on okay. Amazon. You cannot do it. But that's that was pretty much the, the way for them to grow. And they did quite well, I might say.
0: So how did you pivot to – because if you think about uh, – uh, you know, if you think about Toys R Us, it's about uh, you know consumers. It's about consumers' kids, especially you know because they're buying toys and stuff like that. Even mm-hmm. young adults and adults can buy games and other types of things like that from Toys R Us. Uh, how do you pivot from there to B two B and especially B two B Why furniture and decor?
1: Yes. Okay. So the ten years that followed Toys R Us. Um, I was very busy in the direct-to-consumer world, right, the way it's called today or the previous name, B2C. Um, and I got involved in different industry. I sold sports, uh, sports products, sports supplies, uh, pet supplies. I sold housewares, goods, uh, fragrances, you name it. Apparel, different categories, right, that I was involved. Furniture wasn't necessarily um, the main one for me. I got some involved in, involved in that, but it's not really the main one. But really what got me the step towards that was that after doing about close to maybe 15 years of uh, directing consumer i was interested more in the b2b side of the business more doing wholesale i felt like okay to consumer is i want to change you know i want to change the atmosphere for me so i started going with b2b and then i looked for okay a platform where i can sell my products right now we're now at 2015 2016. Amazon is well suited in the industry. Shopify was not there at that time. Maybe Yahoo, I think had their own Yahoo stores at that time, but you had platforms to go to if you wanted to start selling online. And then 2018, 19, I think at that time, uh, Shopify um, started to be more prominent, but there are plenty of solutions B2C, plenty of solutions back to six, six, seven, eight years ago. And today plenty of solutions but you don't have any solutions. I, I can name
0: like 20 or 30 of them, <laughs> not and, one and or And that two. will
1: not be all of that. And that will yeah. not be all. There's And, and
0: you could solutions. customize it. And you can customize and you it can too. Customize
1: it. Yeah. And, and now you don't even have to be on the e-commerce per se platform. You can sell on, on social media. That can be your platform, uh, as I say. So there's a lot of way to go about it um, that people are selling but I was intrigued with the B2B and I was looking for, uh, to get started with a B2B so that when I first started with a B2B, I actually, again, did not start with the furniture. I started actually with sports products. I started with housewares. I think that I felt mm. more comfortable with based on my, uh, historical record. But then a friend that I knew in the industry, in the furniture industry, um, he invited me one day to High Point Point, and High Point, North Carolina, whoever is not familiar with High Point is like almost the capital, of furniture in the U.S. It's the largest exhibition uh, of furniture, uh, again, in in the U.S. And so he started a new job there representing another uh, manufacturer in the industry, and he was looking for, he had similar background in mind to mine, and he was looking for, again, how do we sell online? Where do we sell online? How can we expand digitally? And the way that the sales took place at that time, and still to some extent even today, it's very traditional through sales reps. You know, everything is paper, pen and paper, or even at that time, you'll be surprised. 2015, 16, still faxes being sent over, uh, submitting orders or something. Something being written down, written down on on a piece of paper for an order, and he went nuts. <laughs> so he called me one day. He said, "Gil, you know, I know you're doing this thing in B2B. Come down from New Jersey. Come down to New um, High Point." And just spend time with me over the past you know for the next week let's be a be a uh, you know a fly on the wall and see where it takes you where it takes us what are the possibilities okay so remember going down there and high point is not just an exhibition place it's 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 a it's a town it's it's a city that of, of that you actually walk in the avenues and streets between different showrooms and every showroom, some of the showrooms are their own buildings. But you're actually walking in the streets to, to get to one place Just for context, it's yeah.
0: not like Javits Center or any of the other no. conference halls or exhibit halls that you're, the audience
1: might be familiar with. Yeah. like th- Think like you're taking a certain area in a city and the whole area becomes like the exhibition. So the avenues wow. and the streets and you walk between the buildings up and down the floors and uh, and... It's, it's a city, it's, it's a city, right? Wow. And so you actually walk and I remember spending the time there and listening to the conversations, listening what people have to say, listening to the type of customers, listening to the type of sellers, listening to the, the, the employees in different companies, talking to some of the owners. And I just took some notes to myself. And I remember coming back out of this week and I said, man, this is the industry. Forget about the other industries. This is the industry for so many reasons. Um, but this this industry felt so antiquated. But yet, there's so much doing that, and nobody there's there's plenty of solutions that I can easily I can see easily implemented in others. I don't see them easily implemented in the furniture, and I see that as a very challenging uh, industry to tackle. And that's what got me excited. So the combination of me wanting to get into B two B as well as a friend of mine kind of pulling me over and letting me say, Hey, look at this industry, see what it got, what it has to offer. Uh, those two things combined got me into, into furniture, decor, and now it's a triangle. It's not just passion for coding. It's not just passion for e-commerce. It's also a passion for furniture, a big triangle that works together.
0: So uh, you go on this trip where your friend asks you to tag along with him and then you take notes. I'm just curious, like, what were some of those notes that you? What were some of the, like, you know, aha moments you had while writing those kind of notes that that led you to the conclusion that you know what this is the industry I want to tackle? What were some of those notes that, or or observations you had?
1: Yeah, so I'll give you I'll give you an example for things that kind of shocked me at that time. Right? Again, we're I'm, I'm coming from at that time I'm coming from the B two C world, right? For for at that 2015-16 the the DTC world is digital. You can order whatever you want from your bed, from your any more place in the world. You can you can order it and you can get, it, okay, not a big deal. But in the B two B world, that's not the case. Or definitely that was not the case at that time. And I remember just sitting down in the conversation, just sitting down in the hall room uh, or in the showroom and listening to the conversation of one of the buyers sitting down with the, one of the sales reps. They said, "I want this. I want this. I want that." And the sales rep just hands them over a piece of paper, like an order sheet, tells them, okay, mark for me the the, the um, SKUs that you want and mark the quantities. And then I'll get you a quote of how much is going to cost you uh, to get it delivered to where you want to get. Now, the buyer is asking, okay, by when can you get me the quote? And then the guy tells them, I think I can get it to you. And that was like Saturday or Sunday. And he him, I think I get it to you probably by Thursday or Friday and then we'll take it from there and I'm like this is off like like like, again if I want something now I want to order it now I don't want to talk and sorry I'm saying it in this way but you want to order it when you want to order it on your terms you don't want to talk to anybody you don't want to fill a piece of paper you don't want later on somebody gets back to you after five six days telling you okay this is how much is going to cost then to realize oh crazy this is too much of a freight and I can't I can't it's too much it's above my budget and then you just wasted a time you just wasted a week for nothing and that's just something that just shocked me but but that was that is the norm that was definitely the norms now it's getting a little bit better but that was the norm at that time so those are the moments, that the, the notes that I took to myself okay how can I make it better how can I bring my knowledge of B2C into B2B and what can be done so this is what was that thing. The second thing is that I realized, okay, why does it take them a week? Right? Why, why does it take that long to get stuff done? And I realized that a lot of the cases, there are trucks that are getting involved. right? And booking a truck, it's not always an easy thing. And if you don't have the right system or the right um, integration in place, you're going to work off phone calls, emails, trying to get a hold of your um, account representative with the logistics company, They're going to get back to you whenever they're available. So all this time being spent and stretched. Meantime, a customer wanting to order from you cannot. And so that was the second thing that was for me like crazy. The third thing that was for me that was crazy was if I'm a manufacturer and I want to sell and I want to get to the largest amount of audience at the fastest time possible, right? I want to get there as quickly as possible where can i go so what are my what were my solutions at that time wait till the next show it's going to take like usually there's like four major shows right two in vegas two in high point there are some other shows i'm not you know discounting them but those are the major ones in the industry okay so you're just what spending your time between a show to another show in order to try to get an opportunity to even exhibiting your products to your potential customers and for me that was also a complete waste of time there's got to be a way in which when you want to offer product for sale, you can offer them for sale. You don't need to leave between to wait between a show to a show and to a show to a show. And then the last thing that really drove me uh, honestly it still drives me crazy when i when I go to uh, to the shows, even though I don't go that often as usual, is that you go to some of those trade shows. and now I'm looking at from the eyes of the buyer who are a new buyer, right? I'm a new buyer and and that was my my situation uh, at the beginning, right? I came in as a buyer to those some of those trade shows and I remember walking into the to the showroom, and no no disrespect, right? But you see a bunch of guys with suits sitting down there on their couches, on their next on their dining sets, whatever it is, not even looking at me. And I'm I want to pay, I want to buy from you. I'm ready to pull out my wallet and pay. But yet nobody pays attention. No one. Mm. And they're just giggling among themselves. Noticed, I said hell man I'm feel I feel sorry for the small guys right I feel bad for the small guys who want to place an order nobody takes care of them nobody looks at them nobody even reaches out to say hey is there anything I can help you you know you as a consumer you walk into a store right whoever's there the salesperson in that store will reach out to you sometimes it may be annoying but they will reach out to you they will try to show that you they care about you when you go into many of those showrooms they don't they don't mm-hmm. and when they start paying attention is that obviously if you walk in a larger group then maybe some of their looks will be turned over and going to say ah okay maybe, you know now it's a three four guys coming in or three four gals uh, gals coming in maybe maybe it's a big party maybe it's, there's there's something there right but then they look at your name tag and say, ah not familiar with you okay and then they start being Difficult, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I felt bad. And just looking at this, the way it sounds, sounds like guilt. it
0: sounds like an anti commerce team. <laughs> at, at <the> <laughs> <exhibits>. <laughs> it's anti,
1: it's like, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm you, know, you know, you think about it. It's a beer. Imagine someone pays you oh. to sell, this is your whole job to sell. You are a salesperson or a marketing person, they pay you to be there to sell their product. And instead, what you're, what are you doing instead? You're sitting down, you're giggling with friends. I'm not saying you shouldn't be doing it, but you should be also selling. That's the essence. That's the reason why you're being paid to be there. You need to sell. And when, and when a potential customer comes in, whether they're large or small, you don't know at that point in time. You don't know what you don't know. So you got to give them a chance, right? And I'm telling, you, this is one of the things that I was very um, Those were among my motivator, motivator factors to get into this industry by seeing how potentially small customers or small, maybe even medium sized customers and or new customers, um, how they're being treated. But, and I felt it's wrong. I felt there's gotta be, we gotta change it. So I want to give a platform where it doesn't matter your size. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Or you just want to get in, you want to do business. Whether you are on the selling side or on the buying side, you're being treated equally. And you you know that somebody's going to pay attention to you. And for me, that was very important. But those are going back to your question what were the notes? Those were among the notes. How can I can create a better um, relationship, a better experience, buying experience, selling experience? You know, some of the salespeople were actually, when I started talking to them, I, you know, after we got a little bit more matured with the business, and I remember coming back to them. And I said, Hey, you know, I remember I was here a year ago or two years ago at show, you didn't even pay attention to me. Right. And they've been telling me, no, tell- sometimes we do want to pay attention to you. We do want to reach out. We do want to reach out, but some of the instructions, the guidelines that we're getting from the higher ups is that you only need to pay attention to very specific customers, all the mm-hmm. rest, don't waste your time. Right. And I'm thinking about it and I was starting to think about it more and more what does it really mean to the business? What does it mean from an ownership standpoint for potential growth relationships, salespeople, how do they feel about this? And that's, sorry, that's not my way. Um, I like to do things uh, differently. So, so let's, uh, let's uh, talk,
0: let's talk about, uh, and and, uh, kind of educate the audience about, The furniture business is I've been involved in a few of them on from a consumer standpoint too. Um there are some challenges, right? Number one, furniture is pretty big, so it's not like a it's not a bottle of vitamin that you could put in and give it to UPS to ship, right? No. Um, Most of the time. Yeah, and and also (laughs) I'm gonna just throw some of the challenges and I wanna understand like how you're solving for some of these challenges, right? Knowing about the industry. Uh, One, furniture is pretty large and and there are different types of furniture too, you know? And there's also uh, the price points of furniture. There could be very cheap furniture to all the way to very high-end furniture, right? only a few pieces and collector items too, right? There are some furniture like that too. And then um, you have, um, in, in a typical industry, you have different types of actors, right? You have the brands that make the product, right? Pepsi pepsi makes you know beverages and then they have distributors that take large quantities of pepsi and then they house it in their own warehouses and then from there then you take take uh, then the retailers uh go to those distributors the local distributors that's closest to them because of freight costs and stuff like that they buy it from you and they buy it from that uh, distributor and then. Consumers go to those retailers where which houses them. Amazon, it could be online too, with Amazon.com and Walmart.com, right? and you could or, or Shopify.com. You know if you have your Shopify yeah, site, definitely. so that you you go there as a consumer and you can buy it, right? Typically, that's how. If you think about the whole chain of events, or everything from the brand manufacturer, manufacturer then brand then distributor then retailer and then that you have the consumer in this uh, picture Uh, in case of furniture it's not like that because it is gigantic uh, pieces and heavy pieces and you're not working with maybe you may be working with ups or fedex but most likely you're not you're working with private trucking companies and and uh, ltls depending on the size of uh, you know and and also maybe for some things you're also working with not just a trucking company but the trucking company that also the installation services for some of those uh, furniture too. So there is a lot of complications like that in that process. Uh, How do you handle all of that I mean, all of of that, all those relationships and all those actors?
1: Sure, so I wanna talk about more about the fact that there is one element that exists in many other industries, uh, but does not exist in the furniture. So in many other industries that I came from before the furniture, you had the, the concept of distributor, right? And the concept of a distributor was someone who actually holds inventory from the manufacturer. They buy in bulk. And then when the retailer wants to buy from that distributor, the reasons why is one because the manufacturer themselves don't have the warehousing or fulfillment capabilities. So they leverage the distributors. And or another reason might be because they're just not interested in buying large volumes similar to the distributors. So it definitely distributors, definitely it's a model that fits uh, small to medium size uh, customers. right? But touching upon the point of, of, you know, buying smaller quantities in the furniture business, the smaller quantity usually is a piece, right? if you are you know when you want to buy even if you're a retail store if you're online especially e-commerce especially right most of the orders are a sofa a dining table a chair um, a rug a lamp usually usually I'm not saying always because there are um, obviously there are multiple orders but majority of the orders are single units right onesies and twosies so when you got this then at that point in time, there's no room for a distributor. There's no added value for a distributor. And the manufacturers themselves need to know how to fulfill the orders directly because that's the lowest quantity. You can't, you can't use, and because everything is heavy, like you said, moving it from one piece to another will eliminate all the potential profit that a distributor might have. So there's no room for, so the concept of a distributor doesn't exist or, or is not a successful concept in the furniture um, but
0: how do you handle, uh, Gil, how do you handle uh, uh, an Italian brand, right? I think Natuzzi, right? Yes. Something like Natuzzi uh, as a brand. Uh, they exist in Italy. They manufacture. I don't know where they manufacture their products. Maybe in Italy, maybe around the world. Uh, but when it comes to United States, uh, Natuzzi has a local warehouse here that they send it to this warehouse. But you still have to deal with Natuzzi or not dealing with ABC oh. distributor.
1: So, so not, I'll, I'll start off with not everybody is a fit for, for Home Roots, but I explain what Home Roots does. Okay. Uh, specifically, and we don't do direct relationship with Natuzi N自- at the moment, but I'll give other examples with other accounts that are actually no less, uh, small than Natuzi than as a market. So the, the whole purpose of Home Roots as a whole is to have a digital platform where you, the manufacturer have ability to upload your products to a single place. Right, upload all the product information that you can gather as a manufacturer and have that information distributed into the market as fast as possible. Right, and what does it mean distribute that information as fast as possible? That's just one piece of it. Distribute that as it means that it's automatically going to get integrated into other retail systems, into other retail stores, into other e commerce companies, and we're going to make itself available and consumable for different project bases type of buyers, which is the hospitality, which is designers, home state real, real estate, real work. estate, uh, all those things. So how do you get all this information and syndicate that as fast as possible? So that's one thing that we're doing. This is our specialty. So this is, this is where the technology actually kicks in, right? The alternative to um, home roots is that you will go retailer by retailer system by system and manually try to do it by yourself. There's no consistency. There's no standard actually home roots is creating the new standard. For the furniture industry there are no standards right now outside of home to the industry which means you got to redo your work again and again and again and it's not scalable so you cannot scale yeah. now if you're not scale lots of time being wasted so that's problem number one that we're solving manufacturers problem number two that we're solving to the manufacturers that we're actually many buyers right especially more of the small to some of them the medium sized buyers don't have a good relationship with or don't have a relationship at all with with the trucking company is one of the problems just mentioned or even if some items that they they do go with UPS or FedEx you need to have a very good discounts and special discounts with UPS and and FedEx it's not enough the discounts you actually need to have a certain program installed in your agreement with them to make the those shipping work because they're very bulky hence they're very expensive so most of the small to medium accounts don't have good rates, meaning by the time they're going to get the goods, it's going to be super expensive and not competitive in the market. This is a problem that I can tell you most manufacturers don't want to deal with. In their perspective, and this is one of the things that I got back in my notes, right, that who solves this problem? Manufacturer says, I don't want to be dealing with shipping. It's unreliable. It changes every time. You know, different destinations, the rate changes, different weight changes. Um, they keep on the... Uh, you know increasing rates decreasing rates ah uh, too much for me for the manufacturer too much I don't want to deal with that. the buyer on the other hand is saying okay but I need help help me I I, I don't know how to get it out I, I mean you're the bigger party help me so there's got to be a bridge that's going to help both and that's also the second problem that home will solve is that we're actually offering fulfillment and, and distribution to to those items. So, a buyer can easily come to our platform and add their item to the cart, like like another B2C site. They can add it to the cart and order it, and they'll know exactly how much they're going to pay for shipping, and they don't have to worry about it, how it's going to get shipped. They only need to notice when they're actually going to receive it. That's it. The rest they don't care. They don't have to worry about it. It's like you buying as a consumer. You're buying right now from Wayfair as a consumer. You're buying from Overstock, buying at Amazon, Walmart, whatever you don't care how they're shipping the goods and what their problem with, what their issues and settings up are with, uh, with the carriers. That's not your problem as a consumer. We see that as that should not be the problem for our customers, for the business customers. So that's the second problem that we solve. The third problem that we solve is many for them and more applicable for the mini, big manufacturers and more international, but there's some applicability also domestically is really by the Amazon playbook, right? You want to get the goods, First of all, if you're international, you need to have the goods here sold in the state, right? If we are selling to Home Depot or selling to, to Lowe's or or those guys, they want the goods to be in the U.S. They want to make sure that when the order is being placed, a day later at most, the order is going to get shipped out. And not to arrive in 10, 14, 21 or or a month later from 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 or three months later on year, a ship two months later, they want the order getting delivered. The following day two days three days max Right, this is a standard that amazon have set up for all the industries right and all our success consumers and set expectation now. it's expectation right and so no. retailers want to compete with that they're saying you are my vendor you need to adhere to this requirement Right. so now but if i'm overseas i'm a manufacturer overseas i don't have a warehouse seat where will i warehouse not a problem home would solve this problem we also have the warehouse here. Capabilities for you, so we can warehouse the goods for you, and we can fulfill them on your behalf, and we can make sure that you get as much as eyeballs as possible, looking at your products at the fastest amount of time possible. And this is a big thing for the manufact, for the big guys, for small guys, big guys, everybody. Now, the reason, that one more thing that is applicable domestically, is again we have we're operating multiple warehouses, so we're shipping from multiple warehouses. But many manufacturers or importers or everybody else managing multi warehouse Operations it's not an easy a simple thing small size mid-size do you tell me it's ain't simple i i lived through that life before i managed warehouses in my previous life even before home roots this is not a new endeavor for me this is not easy it's not easy that's so especially
0: people, you're not working with small spaces you're working with gigantic spaces because it's furniture
1: it's furniture and you're prone to damages you need different insurance People want to, you know, taking care of that needs to be dealt with a different place. You can't just forklift things up and down. It's more complicated. And many warehouses actually don't want to deal with that because of liability, potential liability. But so it's not easy. And The fact that, again, we're offering this fulfillment services to to sellers in the U.S. and then we're actually asking them to ship the goods where the potential demand is. That's the big one. Right? again, at the end of the day, we are a platform. We are a machine learning platform. We learn where the demand is. We know where the goods should be warehoused geographically. And based on that geographical uh, knowledge and predictive demand, we know to provide the feedback to our suppliers, to sellers on the platform, tell them, okay, when you import the goods into the US, right, or when you're done production, you need to warehouse them in such and such locations. And when you do so, we can optimize the sales. We can make it more attractive to the customer we can ship it fastest we can deliver it fastest and as you know it's very bulky meaning it costs quite of an amount to ship it but we're able to minimize the shipping costs and at the end of the day everything gets translated to sales if you're more affordable if you ship and deliver faster and you you're, you're cheaper on the end delivery and you got a good product it's a win you can't you, you can't compete mm-hmm. with that and that's really what we're offering um, in the market. This is really part of our added value. There's a few more things that are about to be going live, a few more programs um, that we're doing. Um, they're really about to uh, mature soon enough that really are game changers. Uh, and no one no one in the industry is doing it. i tell you one of the things that we're very proud of is making the B2B shopping experience similar to BAC. And that's, oh, that's what- a big one.
0: That's a gigantic yeah. one. A lot of I've been to a lot of uh, B2B sites, you know whether I was buying it for my business or, or recommending it for one of my clients' businesses, uh, you know for them to actually buy something you know ingredients su- supplies or whatever. Yeah. The experience for some reason is 1993 B2C <laughs> on <B2B laughs> today.
1: Okay, well, you know what you, you, I'll give you another example. And again, I will not use names because I'm not here to bash directly the the company, but I'll just just show you where where things are even today. Even today in the industry as we speak, there are companies in our vertical, vertical furniture, that are specializing in actually helping retail stores come online, right? You think it's a great idea, right? Amazing. Like you think about a retail store able to sell their products and their supplier's products on their own website. They already have a food traffic. They can have the loyal customers right? Visiting the site, figure out different portfolios, catalogs can have everything. There can be a big win. And I, I believe in the strong connection between retail and e-commerce brick and mortar and, and and retail and brick and mortar retail and e-commerce. I believe very, very strongly in those two connections and, and you have companies that specialize in that. But when you really, really look closer, what do those guys really offer? Okay. So the end result is a website. Yeah, you got your www.furniture-to-buy.com, whatever, whatever it is, yeah, yeah whatever. Uh, but then you actually go in as a consumer to that store and there's no add to cart button. Mm-hmm. There's no checkout. Instead, you got a link, call for quote. Now, come on. <laughs> I just want to buy, I can go to Amazon I can go to Wayfair. I can go to any of those, you know, more meaningful websites. I can go there and buy anytime. Why would I want to call your little, uh, you know, mini brick-and-mortar store, call for quote? Why? I don't want to do it. I'm busy. This mm-hmm. is something like you're going, 93? I don't know. Maybe say like 83 <laughs> or 73. This is like, come on. You, you already did the move going online. You already did that, which is that which is. Fantastic. Or at
0: least, I mean, if you don't want to even do e-commerce, uh, give me an add to cart functionality so I can create a shopping list, and then yeah, say, okay, yeah. I'm ready. I'm gonna send this. I'm gonna get a proposal back. At least that will make the experience a little bit better than call this uh, local number, whatever yeah. local number. Not even eight hundred. It's it's a, yeah, it's a local thing, number. It's,
1: it's, yeah, it's Forget about it. It's it's just it's just this is the but this is the industry that we're in this is the industry this is why so and i'm saying it's so antiquated this is why it's so antiquated it's all part of that and even you you look at the companies themselves and you look at okay how do they actually get their catalog pushed to those retail websites right and if you look in their back end it's so backdated so manual so there's no tech behind it and those are supposed to be the tech companies Mm -hmm. of the industry right? there's no tech involved and so i (laughs) i'm envisioning a different future. The industry. I'm envisioning a future where if you're, doesn't matter where you are in the globe, you want to sell your goods to whatever market that you want to sell in the goods, you're coming on to the homeless platform. You, you do your data project once, and there is a data project. I'm not saying there is, but you do it once. You don't need to repeat it for every customer. Do it once, and then you get as many as eyeballs possible looking at your products faster than anybody else. On the bank side, you get a consistent, fresh, new products that are catered towards your type of audience, to your customer personalized, to your needs, warehouse next to you so you can get it easily delivered. You can even send over your customers to look at and have your own private showrooms. I envision a different world a more digital, a, com- a combination of digital with physical, but the physical is like all together, combined. And just make it easy, Just, just make it easy. Don't, don't make it over complicated. If you get to a point where somebody calls you or somebody needs to call you, then something is already not good that, let's start off with that. There's no reason for, for call right now. Um, now I'm all for relationships. Don't get me wrong. If you just want to keep on the relationship, and talk, what we're doing right now, that's cool. That's mm-hmm. cool. That's good. But if, if somebody needs to order something and for that, they need to call you, or if they want to return something and for that, they need to call you, or if they want to know if they can do business with you and they need to call you then something is wrong it needs to be simple somebody just need to go off their keyboard and just get to do whatever they want to do or get on their f- smartphones or, or, call phone phone. or call home roots <laughs> or this is home roots is what we're doing that's where the keyboards and apps coming in right those are those let, are the
0: gail let me give you an example like let's say i have uh sabir's bedroom furniture specialty furniture store right yeah and what i want to do is i only deal with maybe a handful of brands because that's how much it's a small business that's what i've been able to do mm-hmm. i would like to offer like i have a shopify site let's say i'm more savvier than other other uh furniture stores i have my You're much more savvy I could tell uh, you that
1: <laughs> just by yeah. the fact that you said shopify yep.
0: <laughs> i have six or eight different brands and that i do carry everything that they have i carry it on my site but i would like to give more options to uh, to people uh typically in, in an old traditional uh paradigm business paradigm right i would need to contact each one of the brands i need to talk to them i need to get them to um, you know sell to me maybe they'll say you know what you're not on our brand so we're not going to sell to you i mean based on what we said earlier right Uh, But if I want to increase my catalog by offering like I have eight brands right now, I would like to offer 25 brands because there are some brands that are really good. I would like to really have them in my portfolio. But because most of this business is drop shipping anyways, because, you know, we don't have I'm not going to warehouse it. You're not going to warehouse it. So if I take an order, I can send it to the brand and the brand can uh, ship that order to, you know, uh, Lisa Simpson in, in Springfield, you know. Uh, that's Bart Simpson's sister, you know, <laughs> You know, to her, right? Um, I should be able to do that, right? Is that is that something that Home Roots can help with where I'm integrating my Shopify and using you as a fulfillment so that you're taking that order and you're sending it to that brand and then working on some kind of arbitrage with wholesale pricing? Or do I still need to have that relationship with the brand?
1: So Home Roots is the brand let's let's start off with that We are our own brand, uh but we do work with manufacturers all over the world who are leveraging our brand uh and brand equity to get their food through the door uh through our potential customers right so at the end of the day the difference between there's a you you touch a point a very um very interesting thing that we're doing uh and a challenge the potential e-commerce company has. So the challenges that they have is that they, let's say they have a Shopify site, right? Or any site, Magento, Shopify, WooCommerce, it doesn't matter the technology you want to be in, right? You need to get those products of the brands onto your site. Now, there's no, again, there's no standards, right? And assuming that the brand has actually told you that they're willing to drop ship for you, which most of them are not. And by Mm -hmm. saying drop shipping, meaning actually drop ship to your customer, not to your office or warehouse. So some of them tend to confuse the terminology about what does really dropship means. But let's assume that they're willing to do it. The data may be lacking. There's no standardizations. The quality of the data, I can tell you that from experience of dealing with so many different factories that the data that you're gonna get is not the data that your customer is expecting to read and to have before making a buying decision. That means that you're going to need to spend an enormous amount of your own time to do your own SEO, to do your own tweaking, to do your own imagery if you really want to get something done out of it, right? Again, the manufacturers don't see that as their problem. They see that as your problem, your customers. They are offering their products, right? There's a complete disconnect in, in the industry, with understanding that if you help your customer, it's going to actually help you. In this industry, there's a disconnect. Gil, cool.
0: is the is the logic because the brands think that, for example, if I'm an interior designer, right, and yeah. that's the type of customers I have on my end, I might take that sofa and put it in a context that represents my artwork, right, the, as an interior designer. Correct. How I place that product versus somebody else, right, John Doe, who's an interior designer, also interior designer. But they focus on doctor's offices and the way they take right. the furniture and place it in there, that would be a very different kind of a context. Versus if the brand wants to represent the same sofa, right? They would, they would take that piece of furniture and give it a very lifestyleish type, uh, you know, yeah. let's say Natuzi would do it on a very high end, beautiful backyard, like a million dollar backyard with swimming pool and you have Natuzi sitting there like it doesn't even rain where where that natuzzi is you know so is that the reason behind it or is just that they don't want to spend even they just make beautiful furniture they don't even want to spend money on doing photography
1: well some of them are 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 doing photography but i think that in many cases again it, it depends on the the company's culture it depends on their capabilities and where they're from there's a lot of different factors we see some companies that are doing an amazing photography, but we're seeing, but we're on the other hand, we're seeing companies that are doing an awful photography. Uh, I'll give you an example, right? Uh, when I first started Home Roots, I remember asking for white background photos, right? Something <laughs> that You're speaking a foreign language. language. <laughs> yeah. So you know what I got once? I'm not joking, but I did get it many times, actually, from different, different manufacturers. They put the furniture against the wall so the wall was white so they put the furniture against the wall that's a white background that's a literally Literally. you're right (laughs) literally that's a white background they were right the only issue is that you see the outlet the electricity outlet you may be seeing some shadows you're seeing you know shadow of people holding things and and then i have to say no that's not the white background that i'm um i'm referring to uh (laughs) i mean and i had to send them examples and that was completely foreign language now i'm not saying that everybody's like that but those this is a true story and actually repeated itself multiple times when when i started and now 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 it's different now i think company is getting better but then there is there is a problem with there's one issue with photography um and that you tend to usually do it once right you don't tend to repeat it again so once you photoed um a certain sofa a certain bed you know a room settings a bedroom settings whatever it is you tend to do it once you don't to do it multiple times because it's very expensive (laughs) and but yet one of the challenges with that that it actually discloses the company so what happens as a result if let's imagine that you are and retailers actually don't like it retailers let's say you want to offer something for I don't know joeschmo.com right and you are and and the world without home roots okay you're uploading the products to that retail store their online site with your own photo that you did right then at that point in time when you upload to jane doe.com the same photos now with with the current technology especially more the big ones amazon walmart target actually they tend to do it because of that they tend to start, um, do comp shopping because they know what the image they need to look at. They're looking at the other image and the rest of the information is the same, right? The title, the description, the bullet points, everything is the same and the image is the same. So now it's going the exact same listing. So now you start having a certain comp shopping between two of your customers. The end result is usually not a favorable bond. Either one of the lines, one of the retailers will drop your products or they'll come back and start nickeling and diming with you on the pricing, which again, Mm -hmm. something you you don't want because it's going to hurt your, your um, market. So that again, those are part of the problems that are related to sales channel conflicts. And again, home roots, we solve this problem to our manufacturers. So there's no issues there. We're taking care of through digital ways, through technology, we're taking care of those alternatives to photography and going back to your question about later on if i'm a designer and or maybe i want to have a certain project in the dentists or clinics or or um, you know um, office setting or household um uh, residential settings you know we we can help with that we're really getting closer and closer to the point where uh, we're going to introduce virtual reality augmented reality into right. into home routes where you as the buyer are going to be able to look at the different products and because we're setting up different angles of it and, and again there's something that we do on behalf of our suppliers behalf of the manufacturers so part of our technology they're being able to um maneuver it around in the segmented reality for the buyers and look so, at the
0: furniture and, in, and in that look that at it from like an, on an oculus or something like exactly.
1: that exactly exactly and we're very, very close, close to 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 that uh, again, it's all about the shopping experience, all about the the the, the, the buyer experience. Uh, just make it something that is second to none. And even in the consumers, you don't really see it yet in all the all the sites. even the leading sites yet don't have the complete capabilities yet, uh, but we're definitely headed there and this is among the things that we want to do because we know how it's important to the customers and we listen to our customers. We listen to our customers, we listen to the sellers, we listen to both and we try to do best. With both sides at any given time. And there's a, as long as they're happy at the end of the day and they feel comfortable that we're listening, uh, not saying to all the things that they want, but listening to many of the things that they're uh, asking of us, then I know we're on the right track. Now, no,
0: right uh, just kind of changing gear a little bit, uh, we're, we're living through very interesting times right now, right? Well, we are. There are multiple wars going on in the world, right? This is not fiction. This is the reality of 2022 right now. Multiple wars going on. Uh, we've had uh, many multiple variants of the pandemic uh, that that hurt um, uh, countries. Lockdowns. I'm from New York. I mean, you you're in New Jersey. You know what happened during the very beginning of the pandemic and how bad things got in New York. You know, uh, supply chain issues. Uh, inflation <laughs> uh <laughs> recession right now right now yes. we have recession 9% mortgage rates uh the increases in the well, cost now. of shipping um you name it ingredients suppliers uh everything i mean given given all of those things that are happening how is that affecting i mean the great recession the great i mean the great resignation the grand the grand quiet grand resignation grand. Yes. all of that stuff how is that uh, affecting uh, this industry the b two b furniture industry in that in that aspect
1: well it's it's no secret that this company is uh this, not this company that this industry is getting impacted directly from all those things, right and so it started off with a pandemic right where you had issues with logistics um, ocean freight went up, you know caused prices to go like crazy all the situation demands was lumber ironic. prices went lumber up, up lumber gigantic went up the, raising lumber uh, prices yeah fires in, in Texas that had issues with lumber you know they had so many things that caused um so many problems but now I think what's happening right now is that the the you know and I had a good discussion with with one of my friends about it uh, uh, the other day is that you know you look at different segments right and you look at the different so i think what's happening right now is that i'm not yet seeing that necessarily as a recession yeah it has a lot of elements of it but i think that in a way it's a going back to a normal uh, scenario where it was pre-pandemic yet still going up all the indices are still going up Like if you look, for example, at e-commerce, so everybody's saying, okay, e-commerce is now down first time in 20 years that e-commerce is actually collapsing and not expanding. And I say, no, that's not really what's happening. But what's really happening is that e-commerce is getting back to its normal rate, normal growth. If you look at things on average, it's still growing. If you look at this uh, year's sales in e-commerce compared to how they were in 2019, pre-pandemic, this is still up. Right? It's just you can't compare it to 21, 2021 because that was an anomaly. Right? So you, you got to look at things in a wider context. And when you start looking at that, you realize that, okay, it's not like we're, the skies are falling. It's not like the market are collapsing. It's just that things are going back to normal with their normal growth. So we've been in the crazy times, right? Everything was accelerated. So many different movements. You just named them, right? But there are plenty more and there are plenty more to come. And now, but now things are going back. Now, now you be, I read the survey, um, I surveyed the other day. Um, and that's a very, uh, you know, can be a sensitive topic to many people, but you know, but the whole work from home or work in the office, right? And if uh, about, I think six months ago, nine months ago, uh, a survey took that more than 51 or 52 percent of the people uh, preferred working remote 100 percent of the time, and now that's not the case. Now it's dropped to I think like 30 something or 20 something percent. People are looking to come back to what the way things were, were to a certain degree. Certain degree, I do believe that certain things. I think the world have opened their eyes, people have opened their eyes to different ways of doing things. Uh, so I don't believe it will entirely go back to how it was in 2019. And I actually quite happy about it, that it does, it's not going to go back. But I do believe that overall, it's going to start gravitating towards more and more towards that. But the trend is still positive. So I'm, I'm thinking in a way of very, very, very positively about things. I'm not seeing that as a negative. I'm not seeing that the the skies are falling, you know, uh, the market is collapsing. Yeah. It's just it's all those things that need to take place right now in order to bring us back to the equilibrium of where things should be. So we can continue in a normal pace of growth or projected pace of growth um, moving forward throughout the year. So going back to your question about the furniture, uh, given this background that I just shared, yeah, the furniture industry is, is um, going through some challenges right now. There is, there is a short in demand. Uh, we can see leaders, online leaders in the company releasing their financial reports. You can see Wayfair, you can see Overstock. There are a few others. Home Depot. I love Home Depot. Uh, if you just look at their online sales, especially not in, in our space, uh, furniture, you see a decline. And the average decline in the industry is closer to the 30%. Right, uh, So it is, it is suffering from some segment. Now, if you start breaking down the furniture pieces, you know it has a lot of mini categories in it. Some of them don't suffer that much. Uh, obviously, the heavy pieces, um, sofas and dining tables, uh, those tend to suffer a little bit more. Um, but it's just because of where the humans are nowadays. Now, I think that to a certain degree, it's not just because of um, uh, maybe you can see uh, um, all nine sales going down but retail sales brick and mortar sales are not necessarily suffering as much who tells you that actually people are looking to uh, fill the goods back in the day like like back in the day they want to go back to connect with people they want to go back to to a certain degree to how things were pre-pandemic and this is a trend that's happening it's impacting everybody everybody kind of woken up from the great resignation when they realize oh shoot my money in the bank is running out. I need to, uh, you know, I, I need to start going back to work. Right. The same thing goes with, um, with, okay. I used to go to stores. I used to mingle with friends. I used to see people at trade shows. I used to see people in events. Doesn't mean that I want to go completely hundred percent the way it was before, but I do want to have something back out of it. And so going back to, to the furniture, I think it's just changes in who sells the goods. And less about the overall uh, shrinkage of the market i think the overall the market is still expanding furniture as a whole is has uh, out of its subcategories three out of the subcategories of furniture are among the top 10 um, growing uh, categories um, as far as go to retail uh, and wholesale sales um, so i believe that this is a strong category it has a lot of potential in it uh, i think the future is bright but we're gonna have some bumps in the road. And so through those bumps, some I mean, of them.
0: Oh, uh, when with uh, all the lessons that you have learned, right? What is your number one uh, expert insight, your hundred thousand dollar expert insight? If you're mm. in the B2B vertical or you're in the or industry and/or you're in the B2B furniture industry or furniture manufacturer, based on all the lessons you have learned, and, and you actually create a company around it, uh, what is your number one expert insight into, into
1: that journey? Yeah, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say one thing that it's more for entrepreneurs. Uh, it's not just the furniture world. Uh, it's not just B2B, but um, obviously the B2B is different than the B2C world. But uh, my, my, um, my piece of advice is not to, not to break. Right? Uh, when you first want to launch a new, a new thing, think of your own. Uh, and it can be a new company. It can be a new product that you want to launch within your existing company. It can be some some any initiative, actually, any any space. You will always have the early adopters and the late adopters. And unfortunately, the early adopters are a very small tiny group compared to the late adopters. So you have to realize you have to, to realize for yourself that in order to find those a uh, small amount of low, um, you know, early adopters, you're going to get a lot of no's. No, not interested, eh, waste of time, eh, never going to happen. You're always going to have those negative comments. But if you see beyond that and if you truly believe in what you're doing and you're open-minded to get feedback from others that don't, don't break, continue, continue in your path, do what you believe, and eventually you'll be successful just continue going with your greets with what you believe keep an open mind don't be just my way or the highway <laughs> it's not gonna be it's not gonna happen open mind but overall the skeleton of what you're interested in doing and launching if you believe in yourself you you just need to find those early adopters it's fine it's even fine to just find one early adapter and then you're set to you're, you're all set and so this is Piece of advice, patience and perseverance.
0: Well said, Gil. Well said. Uh, well, thank you for being on the show. Uh, Gil. I, I really enjoyed this conversation and learned so much more. I mean, I have I have helped launch quite a few B2C furniture businesses and, and knowing and, and getting a glimpse into the B2B side of it was very interesting to me. Thank you for being on the show. No, thank you. And uh, thank you, audience, for tuning in. And if you're catching it on a recording, I appreciate you equally. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we have amazing guests just like Gil. Uh, and definitely visit him on the web. Homeroots.co is his website. Uh, definitely um, thank you for tuning in. We have amazing guests coming up uh, to the end of the year. Uh, so keep on tuning in uh, to this channel, This Week with Sabir, with, with amazing guests like, like Gil. And thank you. Thank you.